Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Mr. Beacon podcast is sponsored by Williot. Scaling IoT with battery-free Bluetooth. Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. I'm really excited, always excited, but especially this week we've got Asif Khan, who's the founder and president yep. of the Location-Based Marketing Association, the LBMA. Uh, and he also wrote the forward to our book, Beacon Technologies, and had uh, some really interesting words to say and a metaphor, the three-layer cake. And uh, uh, we should talk about that before we end the podcast. But first of all, can you just uh, introduce the LBMA for people that don't know who the LBMA are? Yeah, so the Location-Based Marketing Association. We're a, um, a global nonprofit uh, trade association, member-based group. Um, currently about 1,400 member companies spread across 20-plus countries. Um, so like most associations, we run a lot of events. Um, we publish research um, and really our, our core focus is, is we represent both the, uh, the brand side of in retailers and consumer facing brands that are trying to figure out how to use location technology and data uh, as well as the providers of, of location technology and data. So our job is really to kind of bring those two groups together, drive innovation, testing, pilots and ultimately spend across the industry and that's that's really what we're focused on. So. And so what sort of pilots have you been involved in and what is your involvement in these pilots? I've seen your presentation, you've really got a, done a great job of capturing stuff that captures people's imagination. Mm -hmm. How do you do it? Yeah, so really what we do is, is we, my team, we meet every six, seven weeks or so. We kind of talk about what new members have joined the organization. We talk about trends we're seeing in different parts of the world and how location data is evolving or technologies are evolving, and then we kind of brainstorm new ideas, new use cases that have never been done before, and then we kind of look within the member base and say, if we wanted to test this in the real world, what kind of members could we put together in a mashup experiment? So we'll look at it and say, well, first of all, we need a retailer to give us five stores to run this test, we need a digital signage company, we need a beacon company, we need a one of these, and we go find them within the member base and put them all together and try something different. And Publish so, the learnings. So what are some examples that you're most proud of of those tests? I think, you know, at the core, when we talk about location-based marketing, we talk about this intersection of people, places, and media. And we talk about all media, print, radio, online, television, everything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that we try really hard to do is, is to truly validate that across these experiments. So one of the proudest ones uh, for me is this experiment we did 
several years ago now with Nivea, um, you know, the cosmetic brand, where they had a sunscreen product. And um, in Brazil, uh, we created this kind of print ad uh, where we embedded a Bluetooth beacon in the print magazine, uh, in the advertising. And so, and then what you did was, is you tore off the, the end of the page, which is where the beacon was embedded, mm -hmm. and it created a bracelet that you could put on your, around your kid's wrist, and then you download an app, and then when you're at the beach, and your kid goes wandering off, it creates sort of like a small geofence, and then you could kind of track where how far your kid's gone running off. Um, you know, but an execution that starts in print advertising yeah. ends up in a digital uh, execution, you know, involving beacons, mobile, and you know, all that coming together. So I think that's one example. Yeah. What was the response to that? Really, really positive. I mean, thousands of downloads. Uh, I mean, it's a, you know, we did it in a very test limited market mm -hmm. and, and we only put out 1500 of these magazines because mm -hmm. it's not cheap right. to do. But um, that's always our goal is not necessarily uh, scalable, uh, you know, mass executions, but just proving what's possible and inspiring companies to think differently about the technology that's available to them. Very good. So we're here in Brussels yes. at GeoIoT. You're a regular fixture of the conference. We've had almost dueling um, tracks. You've yeah. been running one, I've been running uh, the other one, and we're coming together, I think, in uh, later sessions. Um, uh, I, I'm guessing you've been talking about the survey results that you've, mm -hmm. uh, you've got from the survey that you mentioned earlier. Can you give us a, a snapshot of some of the things that you've learned from this year's survey? Yeah, so, so uh, this is the third year of the survey. It's called the Global Location Trends Report. Uh, we do it across our five biggest markets, which is Canada, the US, Germany, the UK, and Singapore. Um, and basically, we generally ask the same set of questions so we can benchmark year-over-year -year growth. Um, and, and our audience that we're surveying are CMOs, heads of digital marketing across the major brands. Um, and so right now, globally, we're looking at about 77% of, of marketers are already using location data uh, you know, to target and, and influence mm -hmm. uh, consumers. That's up about 12% uh, from last year. So significant growth year over year. Um, and what's really interesting, I think, is, is that a lot of that growth is coming uh, from uh, smart lighting, uh, you know, kind of jumped out as, a, as an interesting uh, application area. So about 7% growth year over year in the implementation of smart lighting systems, which speaks to, I mean, within our member base, we have, you know, Philips and Acuity and, you know, Osram and all these guys. So, you know, I, I think it's, um, we're interested to watch how that piece is going to evolve, you know, and kind of speaking to beacons, you know, I think in some markets, some markets, beacons are, are still growing and mm -hmm. other markets, it's really slowing down. Yeah. Um, you know, like in the U.S., for example, I would say that, you know, generally we're seeing a slowdown, at, at least in retail execution around that, we're, they're finding new markets for beacons, things like manufacturing or automotive or other markets, I think we're seeing interesting applications there. Uh, or I gave an example earlier of um, one of our members, Blue Dot, is, uh, is working with uh, Transurban in Australia and using beacons as the method for to uh, measuring tolls on the highways um, and things like that, so yeah. Fantastic. So how are things evolving in terms of your membership? How has your membership evolved over the years? How many years have you been going? Just over eight. Eight years. Uh, yeah. That's a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, for us, it, it's, you know, the, I would say in general, the type of members, you know, we, we've always skewed heavy to, you know, consumer facing brands. 
So about 40% of the member base are on the brand side, the actual consumers of location technology and data, and the rest are obviously vendors providing solutions. And we've held that sort of split, you know, through all these years. What's, I, I think, for us is interesting is the growth is coming now in you know, new markets that we have never operated in before. So we've recently, uh, just uh, in February, we opened a, ch a chapter in uh, Tokyo. Uh, in, the, in November past, we opened in Prague. Uh, we're seeing a lot of interest coming out of Southeast Asia. Uh, we're about to go into uh, Dubai and India. Uh, so, you know, like kind of moving out of, I would say, you know, the English speaking mm -hmm. first markets that we've, you know, penetrated and kind of done very well in. Now we're starting to branch in, into other markets. And I find that in these, a lot of these emerging markets like Southeast Asia in particular, you know, they're, when you look at things like beacon technology, for example, my, my interpretation of that is, is that, you know, in a lot of these places, they're, they're jumping to things like NFC or, or other, and a lot of it has to do with the penetration of Samsung versus Apple, you know, and the lack of support early on that Apple had for NFC and things like that. So in a market like Singapore, where we've operated for six years now, you know, we, we, that was clearly evident right from the beginning. And yet the government of Singapore is, is a heavy investor in location services and proponent of it. So. You know, they don't, they don't really care what flavor it takes. They just want to make sure it's embedded in everyday life and citizenry. Mm -hmm. so. Well, it's a real sign of maturity that you're spreading across these different geographies. And I'm sure you'll just have that broader net to cross-pollinate the best ideas. Um, we've both got to get into sessions that are coming up, so I'm going to wrap it up. But before we go, um, can you just explain briefly, what's this three-layer cake that you wrote about? Yeah, so this was a, um, a concept that we came up with primarily for bricks and mortar retailers because what we were seeing is, is I'd go in and talk to these guys and they'd be like, what are you doing with location-based marketing? And they would be, you mean like beacons? And, and I was like, yes, uh, that is a part of it, but it's one slice of, of the location ecosystem. And so we felt this need to create a sort of a theory for them to think about the bigger location picture and building an investment strategy around that. So what the three-layer cake is, is about the bottom of the cake is really about how do we drive traffic to the store in the first place? Because things like beacons or indoor solutions in general are kind of pointless if there's nobody there. You've got to get traffic there. Yeah. So geofencing, local search, you know, um, you know push, push messaging, um, you know, all these sort of location solutions that are really about traffic driving mm -hmm. you know, are really about the bottom of the cake. Once you have the traffic there, the middle of the cake is really about now how do we increase customer service, customer engagement, basket size, dwell time, and that's where the indoor micro-location solutions become really important. Mm -hmm. Whether that's beacons or Wi-Fi or magnetics or smart lighting or smart flooring or whatever it is, you know, I think that's, that's important. But the top of the cake is really the transactional piece, and that's been missing and still to some extent missing from a lot of these uh, solutions. So a lot of the guys who built these indoor platforms have not thought out clearly about integration to CRM, point of sale, loyalty, you know, and, and tying those platforms together. Because if you have a beacon network and you're gonna push somebody from a marketing uh, point of view, some offer, you better know when were they here last, how much did they spend last time they were here, you know, how often are they here? These are questions that can be answered by the transactional data systems that sit at the top. But of course, that last step is so difficult, isn't it? Getting through the, all those POC uh, point-of-sale vendors, they see themselves as gatekeepers, and uh, they want to 
Yes and no, right? I mean, more and more now we're starting to see that that closed uh, loop come together. Because, you mm -hmm. know, uh, guys like Adobe and, and IBM and Salesforce and all these guys who have, are managing a lot of that data and, and the credit card companies, Amex and others, uh, you know, are, are either coming in to that layer and buying companies or partnering with companies to, to kind of solve those solutions. So that's, that's really the, what the cake's about. It's how do we drive traffic? How do we then influence that traffic? And then how do we actually tie it back to transactions and sales? Yeah, it seems like a lot of the early successes in the beacon world, I look at companies like Shopkick that got bought by uh, SK. SK Planet yeah. and um, InMarket who have just grown steadily through organic growth, no major investment, but they've got this amazing three-sided network. But they're all getting people into the store and I've been kind of frustrated and I, I think they've all thought about and tried to do more of the engagement piece, but that seems to be as an industry, as the, the beacon industry has underperformed, we've done, I think, a pretty good job of getting people in the store with gamification and uh, the right message at the right time to the right person. But it just seems, maybe it's because it's just operationally hard to once you're in the store. I don't know, any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, maybe people are doing better than I think. Are you seeing any light at the end of that tunnel? Yeah, I, I think you know what's really interesting from an engagement point of view is we've seen a, a big shift uh, in it, sort of moving away from this kind of just because somebody's here, we need to push them an offer. And instead, we know they're here. How do we just improve the experience for them? And, and a lot of that is relaying the data in real time to the staff, to the employees that are in the building. So they, you know, like if you see, you know, there's... 60 people in the women's shoe department at this store right now, but you've got one person working it, you know, that's not a good customer service, you know, mm -hmm. ratio experience. Mm -hmm. So if the data can tell you that and you can quickly send additional resources there, that alone improves the, the experience, right? So I think finding ways to kind of improve the operational side using the data that then affects the customer experience, I think is where we see it going. Um, and, it, and we're seeing more and more retailers wanting to kind of do that type of stuff. Do you see anyone working on concierging? This is kind of one of these concepts where, you know, the, the sales assistant has the tablet in their hand, yep. they greet you by name, they know about your purchase history. We've all sort of evangelized that, yep. but are people doing it? For sure. Uh, Nordstrom in particular does that really well in the U.S. Um, you know, like I think that's more of a... We tend to see more of that in the sort of luxury retail type of uh, environment. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as big department store chain, you know, I would say they're, they're at the top of the, you know, the heap of that. Very cool. Well, if you want to hear more from Asif, and I think you will, uh, then you have a weekly podcast. It's, yes. Uh, it's great. If you want to keep up to date on the latest developments, um, he does an amazing job of uh, culling the most interesting information about what's happening in the market, what's happening in his membership. So I highly recommend that. And of course, if you want to hear more about the three-layer cake, then buy the Beacon Technologies book and read his, uh, his forward. Yeah. Asif, thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. And if I may, I actually have uh, another, my own book coming out oh, uh, this, this fall. Uh, it's simply called People, Places, Media. Um, so you can just go to peopleplacesmedia.com. I'll so, buy it. Yeah. Well, you'll get a free one probably. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Very good. Yeah. So, Asif, what are the three songs that you would take with you to Mars? <laughs> well, I think the first one is uh, Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven. Love it. Um, probably my second is really anything Bob Marley, but like No Woman, No Cry or something like that. All right. Um, and then like, you know, just like a 
peaceful, amazing grace or something. All right, you know, nothing Canadian? Neutral no. like that. Well, I mean, I, you know, there's so many great Canadian bands like Tragically Hip or Rush or, you know, folks like that that, you know, would be, I think, interesting. Okay, so, we'll put them on standby. Yes, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.